Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Anthrax is a bacterial disease that has been around for centuries and may date back to ancient Egypt. It can enter the system through the lungs, skin, or gastrointestinal system. In the late 90s in the United States, the Clinton administration authorized all military members be inoculated with the anthrax vaccine to protect them from potential bioterror events upon deployment. Over 8 million doses were administered to over 2 million military personnel. One of the ingredients found in the vaccine was squalene, a banned chemical additive which was found in hundreds of sick Gulf War veterans. Our guest today was one of those who had the vaccine and suffered serious health issues as a result. And joining us from Oklahoma to tell his story is Jody Hendricks. Jody, thanks for reaching out to us and uh, doing this. We greatly appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thank you guys for the the work you do. Um, I've been in this battle for several years and, you know, I uh, ran across you guys a couple years back and have been a big fan of the the podcast and how much you help people with spreading the awareness about this medicine. Well, we appreciate that. Thank you. (coughs) Jody, how many doses of this vaccine did you get? Um, I got six doses. Six doses. And when did you first start noticing negative side effects? Uh, Almost immediately. Uh, Brain fog, short-term memory loss, um, and like physical pain at the the site, the point of the injection. Were some of your side effects that you experienced, were they experienced as well with other personnel that you knew? Yeah, everybody, I mean, a lot of people, you know, just like with the vaccines that are rolling out now, everybody's got their little, you know, uh, testimony as to what theirs felt like and what they experienced. And um, a lot of people, um, who were getting the vaccine back then were, you know, just like I said, uh, you know, uh, the brain fog, memory loss, uh, a lot of fatigue. A lot of people came down uh, deathly ill within, you know, that week, uh, you know, fever, uh, body aches, uh, stuff like that. And so I, I definitely had all of that. Um, but, you know, we just chalked it up to, uh, you know, hey, this is a vaccine. You've got stuff entering your body. It's going to take time to adjust. Uh, and we were given no choice, by the way. Um, we were given a direct order to take this vaccine. Mm-hmm. Jody, did everybody get six vaccines? Um, there was uh, the series it was a six shot series. And, you know, uh, logistically, uh, the military fails at a lot of things. So not everybody got the entire series. And in fact, when they pulled the vaccine, uh, you know, there were people who were in the middle of their series. There were cases where people had to take the series twice because records were lost, you know. So um, there just there's no continuity as far as, you know, how almost how they dosed it. Um, but I would like to say that I am not an anti-vaxxer. I believe in, in science. I believe in, in the need for vaccines. Uh, but what I am against is uh, the recklessness and the carelessness of the military industrial complex because it was human error and uh, politics that made this vaccine poison. And, you know, we're going to unpack all that here, I'm sure. (laughs) 
what sort of long-term effects did you experience? Um, you know, <laughs> they want to diagnose everybody with Gulf War syndrome, and that's just kind of a, um, a diagnosis to, that serves as a catch-all mm-hmm. for a bunch of different uh, symptoms. But, you know, I've had high blood pressure, irritable bowel sin- syndrome. Um, I was overweight. Um, and But for me, I didn't realize that I was something seriously wrong with me until I started uh, seeing these growths on, uh, on my body. Uh, they were, you know, I mean, you guys are familiar with what cancer, uh, you know, melanoma growths look like. They're oddly shapen. They're, you know, not, there's, there's no continuity in the coloring. Uh, they were, you know, textured and itchy and swollen. So you had growths on your body. They were diagnosed as melanoma, correct? Yes. Yes. Um, So I uh, went to the VA, um, got a biopsy on one of the spots on my arm. Um, I, uh, at that point, um, was already treating my body uh, with blood root, and I had just started with uh, cannabis oil, and I was in an illegal state. So when I went to uh, the VA, Uh, to get my biopsy, they uh, selected a spot that I hadn't been working on. And um, I was able to, uh, they they actually gave me two different opinions on the spot that they biopsied. I had one doctor tell me that it was precancerous, but to keep doing what I was doing and to keep an eye on it. Um, The second doctor in the VA told me beyond a shadow of a doubt uh, it was cancer, and that some doctors were just afraid to call it what it was, or they weren't educated enough to be able to see what it was. Um, because <clears throat> as time went on, it was plain to see biops- biopsy after biopsy that the cells in my body were not traditional uh, melanoma. It wasn't exactly what uh, you know doctors were going to call melanoma. They, if you Google my biopsies you are not able to find these words published in conjunction with each other anywhere on the internet. Meaning my biopsies are unique (laughs) to me. Mm -hmm. Um, They have the word melanoma in them because I guess there's a, uh, a spectrum of, of what uh, cancer cells look like. And uh, you know, at the very least uh, they were precancerous. If that makes sense. How many of these growths did you have over your body? Um, one, two, I got to sit and look at myself to think about it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Where did these crop up? Um, mostly on my lymph chain. <clears throat> so if you look at uh, the, my scarring and the history of, of where they've been, it all goes along my lymph node system. And, uh, that was one of the things that once I got into my treatment, I realized that my lymph nodes were absolutely uh, just overtaken with, uh, with this cancer. Well, it's interesting that uh, one yeah. doctor said you had precancerous lesions. The other said they were cancer. Um, did you equate the vaccine to this? Um, yeah, I did. Um, simply because, uh, all of my activity, 
uh, is on the right side of my body where I got the, the uh, vaccination. Mm. Um, and also, you know, a lot of anecdotal evidence of uh, some of the veteran support groups that I'm in. Um, you know, uh, there's hundreds of thousands of us who have these uh, health conditions that um, nobody wants to give a diagnosis to or they want to give a blanket diagnosis to. Um, so, yeah. It's interesting that uh, in today's medicine, if the doctors don't know what is causing an issue, it's always referred to as a syndrome. Yes. And I guess that's where the Gulf War syndrome came about. In soldiers experiencing all these issues as a result of the vaccine, and doctors may be unaware or um, don't want to come out and talk about the vaccine being the cause of it. Well, if if they um, <clears throat> came out and told the truth, it would cost them billions of dollars in, in settlements. Mm-hmm. Um, because so I, I'll, I'll tell the, the story real quick of what happened. And this is all available on, online. You can uh, find the documentaries of military officials giving their testimonies, you know, uh, footage from uh, meetings and speeches and, and stuff that happened in 99 and 2000. So it's all very docu- uh, very documented. Uh, but basically what happened <clears throat> was uh, the FDA said, hey, uh, we don't need this anthrax vaccine anymore. Let's go ahead and just stop production, stop uh, disseminating it. And uh, the military industrial complex, Bioport, the manufacturers are like, okay, cool, but we have all these contracts to fill. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Uh, go ahead and, you know, fill out uh, these orders, but you're just not allowed to make anymore. But go ahead and fill the or- orders. Well, Bioport didn't have any more anthrax vaccines to fill the orders. So what they did is they took uh, their business to an unlicensed laboratory in Croatia mm-hmm. where they had the vaccines made there. And those vaccines were then shipped back to the United States and labeled as if they were made prior to the FDA shutdown. Um, so those vaccines, those six lot numbers, are just full of squalene. <clears throat> um, and uh, they were disseminated uh, specifically to Southwest Asia, which is where I was when I got my vaccine series. So, uh, you know, with hundreds of thousands, if not more, individuals whose life has been wrecked with this vaccine injury, I mean, it, I... if. I couldn't even put a, a dollar amount on what I would feel would be compensation for me for what they've done to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so they have no choice, but to bury it. Uh, Jody, mm-hmm. do, these guys that you're in touch with that all of who are, are ill as, as a seeming seemingly as a result of the vaccine too, do they have the same type of things as you do or are they, are they dealing with our other issues? Um, a lot of a lot of skin related issues. A lot of skin related issues. There's a spectrum for sure. We see um, <clears throat> a lot of my trauma has came from the treatment itself. Um, if if I wouldn't have been treating myself with cannabis oil, I would have just had these little nodules, these little bumps, sores, tumors on my body that would have eventually grown into my brain or another organ, and I would have died. You know, so I may not have even known that I was sick. Until it, was too, until it was too late. Late, yeah. So the the physician that told you that this definitely was cancer, mm-hmm. 
did he give you uh, any ideas of how they were going to make you better? Yeah, they wanted uh, they wanted to start with uh, <clears throat> uh, cutting uh, like six, seven inches in diameter off of the area where they biopsied. Uh, and then they wanted to start with all the scans and everything. And uh, so at the time, I was manic. Uh, I had gone through some other things uh, with medication from the VA that sent me into a manic spree. And <clears throat> when this doctor uh, came back around the corner and told me that, no, in fact, it was cancerous, she also told me I had 12 to 18 months to, to live if I didn't seek out traditional treatment. She was so dismissive of cannabis as medicine that I completely ran from the VA. I ran from any treatment. I ran from any advice that these doctors could give me because they weren't validating me and they weren't accepting my truth, you know, uh, because I'd already done work on my body with cannabis oil and I was seeing the results and I was seeing what was happening. Um, <clears throat> so at that point, I uh, literally... Uh, took a backpack, stuffed it full of clothes, and hitchhiked to Colorado from Missouri. Um, it was there uh, that I started my cannabis oil process. So um, when you did cannabis oil, were you ingesting it or applying it topically to these lesions? or Both. I started off just ingesting because in, in Missouri... Well, first of all, I'm going to call it a myth, and I can talk about that more if you want, but I followed the Rick Simpson myth. Uh, Rick Simpson's done a lot of great work. I think he's an amazing individual, but there is a myth that would have killed me if I would have kept listening to it that uh, a gram a day was going to cure my cancer. Um, so I was in Missouri trying to uh, eat a gram a day, you know, in an illegal market, expensive flour, not knowing what the cannabinoid profiles are, so on and so forth. Um I was trying to treat myself in an illegal state, and it was uh, it was hard to do anything but just have enough to be able to eat. So I was uh, eating maybe a gram a week uh, is, is what I was doing there, and I was seeing results. I, my lymph nodes were blowing up uh, with uh, swelling and, uh, you know, uh, pushing out the, these toxins out of my body. Um, but I wasn't able to start applying uh, medicine topically until I got to Colorado, because it was in Colorado that I was able to get the medicine affordably and legally, you know, um, and be able to, uh, you know, go into a dispensary and try different products, be able to know what my cannabinoid profiles were, so on and so forth. So when you applied, uh, when you applied the, the cannabis oil to your, your lesions, your cancerous lesions, take us through uh, that process. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I started with just doing oil, you know, and it was really messy and was very ineffective and it was depressing, man, because like I couldn't really like live my life, you know, I couldn't wear clothes. I, I, I had these bandages on my body and I was trying, I was making my own topicals and it was just, it was messy and it wasn't effective. And so it was, it was very hard. Um, at one point, uh, <clears throat> This kind of, I have to go and tell this part of the story because it goes they go together. Mm -hmm. um, I was uh, under consultation with Dr. Bob Melamed, and he was like, "I believe that you need to be eating four to five thousand milligrams a day." Um, and I was like, "How am I going to afford that? You know, I mean, oil is sometimes thirty dollars a gram. How am I going to eat that much?" And it clicked that 
in Colorado, I could get shatter for eight, nine, and ten dollars a gram. And in that shatter was 800 to 1,000 milligrams. So it's like, okay, I can do this. When I was when I when this light bulb came on, I was like, and this shatter is going to sit on my skin very easily, as opposed to the oil, which was very messy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so the cool thing about it is THCA also has anti-tumor properties, and all of your shatters that come out of the dispensary are acidic forms of the cannabinoids because you decarb them when you smoke them, so they don't decarb them when they put them on the shelves. So I was between that and my decarbed uh, flour I was using for my topical, I was getting a full, uh, a true full spectrum topically and orally, if that makes sense. So for the past four and a half years, or uh, more like three and a half, if I'm telling the story from the shatter timeline, I have kept these spots covered with uh, uh, this cannabis extract, the shatter, and it has been the most painful experience of my life. I mean, I've, I can't even begin to explain uh, without being able to show you pictures. I don't know if uh, we're, there's any way we can work that into this podcast through a website or something, but um, the cannabinoids dissolve the tumor and the tumor goes into apoptosis. And when the tumor goes into apoptosis, it has to leave the body. And if they're in your skin, it exits through your skin. Mm-hmm. And so for the past several years, I've had literal open flesh wounds on my body uh, that are in different, have been in different stages of healing. Uh, at one point, my calf on my right leg, the open wounds stretched literally from the back of my knee down to my ankle. Yeah, that sounds horrible. Oh, my God. Like, I have contemplated suicide on occasions, you know, because of the, I mean, you look down at your body and you see that you're being eaten alive, you know, and you're like, how can I live like this? Um, But I've just held held, uh, strong in my faith that the the, uh, cannabis is doing its job. And, uh, you know, I take daily pictures and, you know, able to sit and compare picture side by side and I know that it's shrinking. I know that it's shrinking. It's the only thing that's kept me alive is knowing that it's shrinking because I, the, the alternative is death. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, this hurts so badly. I don't want to live. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, do you know, Jody, it reminds me of the story. I think Corey was in Prague a few years ago and I interviewed a former Vietnam vet who moved back to, uh, Vietnam, and he had the before and after pictures of this growth growing out from behind his ear, and uh-huh. he said it smelled, it stunk, yeah. it was huge, and he applied cannabis oil on it, and now he just has a, a pink mark there. Yeah, sounds exactly like what I have going, to be honest with you. I have one on my ear, too. Wow. And uh, it was, I mean, quite frankly, it was a hell of a mess. Yeah. And I think, but you, you said you take daily pictures, so you're, you're noticing yes. that you are improving. Oh, yeah. I'm almost done. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. The, t- the, uh, the, t- the tumors on my legs are microscopic now. The one on my back is damn near gone. 
my ear, I didn't take quite as seriously because it was small. So I didn't really start working on, on it until um, about a year and a half ago, but I've made some huge leaps with that. Uh, it's almost done. Um, so I'm, you know, I, I reached out to you guys because like, I'm, I'm at the point where I can call myself cancer free. I had uh, scans <clears throat> done back in August. Um, and the only thing they were able to find uh, were benign tumors. Um, and they found some activity in my growing uh, that they weren't able to, uh, that they, we didn't get to. I, I walked away from those doctors because they were uh, insensitive to my treatment. And so I've got all the scans and everything and I, that I'm uh, hoping to get reviewed by a doctor because I have a spot in my growing that I'm concerned about still. But <clears throat> in my treatment, Part of my, uh, I mean, I know that I have been uh, treating something in my growing because the the proof is in the pudding. The the apoptosis that I've experienced along my arm, the back of my neck, my lymphatic system, my leg has also happened down there. So um, I tell you, at one at one point, I was eating five thousand milligrams a day, and I'm just going to put this out there and say it how it is. After my morning bowel movement, mm -hmm. I would go to uh, shitting out hot white molecular goo. Content wow. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, like, like <clears throat> what part, like one of the side effects of my treatment is this deep burning, itching uh, surface level uh, pain that happens when this stuff is leaving the body. Um, and, you know, for several months, like my entire nether regions were covered in this, this side effect. And, uh, you know, I mean, I know I'm 42 years old. I know the difference between, you know, fecal matter and not fecal matter. And I was downloading grossness from my body that was not supposed to be there. Yeah, you're eliminating uh, the poisons that were in your system. Mm -hmm. And the so, interesting uh, thing about uh, the groin is there are lymph, your lymph system is in your groin. Yeah. And uh, it sounds to me, I mean, this is not medical advice, but it just right. sounds to me like what's happening is your body is cleansing itself. And it's taking you probably longer than you hoped it would because you were really contaminated internally. Yeah. How do you yeah, absolutely. how do you feel mentally now? Um, mentally, I feel really good, um, especially now that I'm starting to re-enter normal life. Like my showers are starting to become normal. Uh, there's there's a hot springs and a pool in my future. You know what I mean? Like like now that I'm I, I'm seeing I I've got three areas in my body that I call clear. I don't have tumors on anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, being able to see those results uh, is very has been good for my mental health. Yeah, yeah no I, can, doubt. I can imagine that showering would have been very difficult for you. Oh my God! So the only thing I can compare it to is a yeast infection. Um, <clears throat> yeast and overgrowth and cancer go hand in hand. I can't articulate that very well. I just read the information on it, and I know that they do. Well, when you have a, a yeast infection, you're very sensitive to hot water. Um, my entire body has felt like a yeast infection <laughs> for the past four years. So showering, 
uh, is immediately an eight to a 10 in pain. And that's, uh, you know, not even on the open flesh wound areas, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, it's been. Sounds yeah, pretty horrible. Yeah, to say the least. Well, I can relate to that because last year I had uh, a yeast infection. It was mast cell activation syndrome, which was caused yeah. by yeast. And uh, I had this this growth all over my body. I mean, the mast mm-hmm. cells of your body are just uh, producing like crazy. And the worst thing was having to shower because it really hurt like yeah. hell. Yep, yep. That's been my life right there. Yeah. So you're 42 years old. You're improving uh, both mentally and physically. When you communicate with other vets, are they supportive of what you're doing or are they somewhat skeptical? Um, Other vets are supportive of what I'm doing uh, simply because I think most vets are sold on cannabis as medicine uh, when it comes to PTSD. Uh, But the, the trip up for people is simply the misinformation campaign that has been put upon them, you know, their entire lives. Like I've lost family over my stance that cannabis kills cancer. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like the people have a cognitive dissonance about it. Um, I I've been called a liar. I've been called, you know, a, a snake oil salesman. Uh, you know, I've been uh, told that I'm doctoring pictures, <laughs> Uh, because people just don't want to believe that uh, the conspiracy is that deep, yeah. you know, um, and I, it, it is, it is that deep. <laughs> I mean, if you look at Dr. Sue Sisley and what and the and the things that she had to fight just to get a legit study done, like they fought her tooth and nail. You know what I mean? They don't want it. They don't want cannabis to be called medicine. Whoever they are, you know, the mm-hmm. powers that be, the the people that are making the money off of keeping people sick. When do you get your next uh, medical scan, or do do you get scans? Um, yeah, well, I uh, I feel like I've had that. I had my last, uh, you know, set of uh, MRIs and CAT scans, and you know, they told me that I see the benign tumors, and they. They don't see anything in my neck and my head. Uh, they never uh, scanned my leg for me, so I, I, I just don't even have an official result on that. But I don't know that I'm ever going to get any more tests ran because, I mean, one, the VA doesn't like to hand out tests, and two, the past three or four tests they've given me have come back to inconclusive results. So I, I think that I'm, I'm just going to walk away from it all. Yeah. I think I'm going to be done. I'm, done I'm preparing, mm-hmm, uh, just done with uh, the fight. You know, I've been uh, shouting from the rooftop for the past four years about what's happened to me and that cannabis is killing cancer. And I'm so tired of talking about it. Um, and so I'm here to talk to you guys about it. And I, I'm preparing to, to do a little podcast myself and to put my whole story out there chronologically. And then I think I'm just going to walk away because people don't want to listen, man. They want to fight you. They want to argue you. They want to tell you you're a liar. Uh, and if you do, conv- and I could convince somebody today that cannabis kills cancer and they're still going to uh, go talk to their doctor and their doctor's going to lead them down the chemo path and they're going to die. And so why should I keep living in my trauma? You know what I mean? For 
<laughs> the best thing I can do is put this information out there and hope that it's perpetual and that people can have it forever. You know what I mean? And I don't have to keep revisiting it. That's that's my hope. Yeah. How much cannabis do you take uh, on a daily basis now? Uh, I have – so basically when I was doing my 5,000 milligrams, mm-hmm. um, I was getting a certain result. I would then go down lower to 3,000 milligrams. Okay, I didn't get the result I was looking for at 3,000 milligrams, so I bring it back up to 4,000 milligrams. I got the result. Cool. I'd ride that out for a little while, and I'd try it again. And I'm wor- until I'm working myself down, I am still getting the results that I desire at 1,000 milligrams a day. So I take about 20 in the morning, 20 in the afternoon, and then uh, the rest in the evening right before I go to bed. And uh, nighttime is hard because that's when the, the die-off starts because I'm taking my large dose at night. You would think it would put me down, but really it keeps me up because my body is working to, to detox itself. So I start dealing with that, that burning, itchy sensation all night. Yeah, your body isn't resting. It's, it's fighting. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm just going to keep reducing my uh, milligrams uh, every couple months until until I'm no longer getting the res- those results, and then I'll know I'm done. Yeah, you you got an amazing story, and uh, and I I appreciate you reaching out to us. It's fantastic to uh, find that you're you're taking your health into your own hands as opposed to letting someone else deal with it. And I think that really is the success of a lot of people who venture into the cannabis area, that uh, they somehow intuitively, like Corey did, uh, let cannabis do the work as opposed to chemo and radiation, which can have all sorts of negative side effects, which we won't get into now. Jody, is there yeah. anything you'd like to say in conclusion? Um, I just want to uh, say one more thing about the, uh, the whole Rick Simpson met- methodology. Uh, is it, please, uh, everybody out there who's considering cannabis as medicine, know that uh, there's no way for anybody to say that a gram a day is going to kill, uh, cure cancer because every gram is different and every gram is going to measure different from cannabinoids and the, from the amount to the spectrum. And every cancer is different. And every endocannabinoid system is different. So the best advice that was given to me by a doctor who believed, who understands science as the endocannabinoid system, was to eat as much as you possibly can. And uh, I just want everybody to understand that that was the advice given to me, and that's what worked for me. Uh, don't be afraid of cannabis as medicine because the only side effect is going to be die off of your issues and sleep <laughs> and rest. So don't be afraid of it. Dive in. Medicate yourself appropriately. Jody, a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks very much for this. Thanks so much, you guys. Thanks so much, Jody. Take good Thanks. care. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, Ian. And we'd like to thank our listeners for supporting us and sharing our podcast with others who would benefit from hearing these testimonials about the healing power of cannabis. And we'd like to thank Jody for reaching out to us. And if you'd like to support us, there's a way you can do that. You can become a monthly supporter for as little as $5 a month on our Patreon page, Cannabis Health Radio. Just go to CannabisHealthRadio.com. You can also make a one-time donation through our website, And also, we'd like you to share our podcasts. Uh, Cannabis 
Health Radio. Um, Facebook has blocked me from posting anything on our Cannabis Health Radio page, and I can't do it. Corey can sneak in there and do it. But uh, we are blocked from doing that. So if you can share our podcasts on the social media platform of your choice, that would be great. We'd very much appreciate it. And we're very grateful for your support. And thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why is an endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up to date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast and, of course, on PodConnects.